happy for our newest episode featuring Flavio Bastos. He's a really good friend of mine and not only that, he's a very inspirational figure that is gonna give us some really interesting ideas and uh, feelings about how to self-manage and how to do very very powerful projects. He studied in the Universidad Central de Venezuela uh, communication and he has been, uh, when I asked him for some description, he just wrote me one word, self-taught. So I'm going to respect his desire to, to underline that. And I'm just going to tell you that he has gone from being a person who was employed to be a person who set up several companies and nowadays is totally independent and has produced uh, projects like Biabam.com, Gehando.com and Flaviomiel.com. And he's a really powerful mind and I'm really happy to have you here, bro. So here we are. So I was saying that you look like you're in Japan, man. <laughs> Where Thank are you, you brother. Yeah, I wish I was. I wish I was. I'm in Porto, Portugal mm -hmm. uh, right now. Um, uh, almost summer uh, yeah. without even knowing. Um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, missing. Yeah, you were, missing really the weather. you were really shocked by Japan, right? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, when you went there. Yeah, well, uh, this is something that is weird because, um, you know, whenever I was, when, when I was a kid, uh, there was always like people talking about Japan and wow, Japan. And I was like, who cares? It's just like, you know, it's there and, you know, uh, it might be interesting or not, you know, of course, but it's, it's the same as other cultures. I was always like, uh, it's just another culture, right? I wasn't. I think most people is like, wow, yeah. went to Japan, yeah. or I want to go to Japan. And, and I didn't have that at all um, until I went there. <laughs> <laughs> and you're super shocked, right? Um, um, yeah. Um, it's a, I mean, I, I love it there. It's an amazing place. Um, I would like to spend a lot of time there, but I wouldn't live there. Because it's just... Uh, it's just so different that uh, yes. you need another life. You need another life to properly understand it. Yeah, you know. Um, sorry, carry on, carry on. Yeah, so, yeah, basically that. But I was, you know, uh, I'm in love. Uh, it's an amazing place. It's an amazing place. But I always have this thing, you know, like the Western thing with versus Asia, uh, where, I don't know, I think uh, in the Western we adore Asia for religion, uh, reasons, and, mm -hmm. you know, yoga, and Zen meditation, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, um, we are always looking for that answer there, but we have it here. Yes. We have the Greeks. We have the yes. Greeks and the philosophers. Yes. And when you, this is human nature. Like, if you, if you take, like, um, Buddhism, right? Yeah. And you you see the core, like the fundamental of Buddhism, and you see the core of, you know, 
uh, Seneca and Stoicism, if you have at the core, it's the same thing. It's like you need to be happy with what you have. Yeah. You don't need to go, and it's the same. Like it's 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 just the same. It's a core thing. And also, and you know, I have a I have a. Well, let me not interrupt you there. Carry on. It's hard sometimes on the distance. Please, when you finish your idea, I come in. Yeah. No. Basically, that I just wanted to introduce that idea because uh, it's something that you know uh, we always talk about. Yes, this kind of stuff. And I was recently, I mean, well, I have said we haven't spoken for years and I have said uh, repeatedly in many conversations that if people will, uh, of my old friends will approach to me and, uh, and, uh, and understand what are my core values nowadays, there will be a lot of surprises. And uh, in total synchronicity with what you're saying, one of the things that have, that is the characteristics of my actual worldview is a profound respect for the West and its ideas first, and especially for Christianity. I mean, it, it's we take this so much for granted, and we have been taking trashing this for for the last uh, 50, 60 years. And uh, we have forgotten that, I think, this is what put men on the moon and, and robots in Mars, you know. Uh, I mean, it was, we take for granted that we get on a lift or on a on an elevator and the person next to us will just not murder us you know or something like that and we take for granted all this set set of core values that form a part of our lives and we forget that things were not always like that <laughs> and uh, and uh, because we have that spiritual gap in the west i think people look to the east like oh look at them they're so like enlightened and 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 full of uh, inner peace and and they have forgotten that that i mean with uh, with uh, all the negative consequences that it may have something like an organized religion or something like that. There's also this other super positive side that we just tend to just trash as if it doesn't exist. And, and not only that, I mean, just uh, when you, I remember my parents being uh, super lefty and, and, uh, and kind of not being adherent to any religion, you know, they took me to Europe when I was 15 and took me to all these cathedrals. And I was just wondering like, why, why are we doing this? I mean, if we're not religious and uh, the thing is that, we built these magnificent structures that, that, that they just populated Europe and they were projects that were hundreds of years long. I mean, nowadays it's impossible even to plan a, a 10 year project. And these projects were 200, 300 years out to the future. And people went and made them, you know, and made them for a reason. And, and those, uh, that heritage that is there is just so meaningful and rich. And, uh, and it's very fashionable on the, on the West to just admire the East for their spirituality. And forget that we, when we combine Athens and Jerusalem, meaning the Judeo-Christian background, and the reason that came from Greece, we produce the most advanced epoch in the history of humanity, and not only the most advanced epoch, uh, the most fair epoch in the history of humanity. People take this for granted so much. Like, I mean, nowadays, uh, as I was saying, you, you enter to an elevator and you're sure that nobody's going to eat you. Uh, and also you're a woman and you, you know that you're going to get some respect. So it's very interesting to hear this from you because uh, I, I, I'm very happy to see that, that this is not only a perception that I hold close to me, you know, that there is this, this um, lust for spirituality on the West that people tend to cover with the East, you know. And uh, we could perhaps find it uh in our own house uh and i tell you this since i moved to russia it's been uh, firstly many many things have happened uh, uh and uh, one of the main things that i felt when i left europe uh, was leaving this uh, sort of you know when there is a bomb and it explodes and there is the 
the um, expansion wave of the bomb like and when I arrived to, Ru to Russia, it's very contradictory and very opposite to what I was expecting it was going to happen. I felt like, oh, I left Europe. You know, it felt like I had this this uh, ex expansion wave of the explosion following me, you know, and like things were just in terms of how it all feels there a little bit like, oh, everything is 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 it's just a feeling of a tourist, right? I don't live there, but but I had this feeling of like, oh, there is something awkward here. It's like it's put together. But, but it's kind of falling apart at the same time and many people don't want to be together and people are together. Uh, and, th and then there is the moral side of it. I mean, which is that, I mean, I was always shocked about how, you know, how you would sit down with a friend and they would tell you how much they, you had fun cheating on his wife or something. And you're just like, okay, fine, like, great. I mean, good for you. I mean, I'm not a moralist or something. I just, I just, uh, and I'm not a sage or something, but, uh, I'm putting all of this kind of confusion in the expansion wave of the explosion that I'm telling you. And then you land in Russia. And for good and for bad, things here are way much more vertically organized and <laughs> and and more attached to some sort of rock. You know, there's not so much... And I'm not talking about freedoms here. I'm talking about what is the truth. You know, the truth, well, this is Russia and Russia will not fall apart. So then you don't have something like, like Euroscepticism, right? Like there's no, like, there's a lot of Russia skepticism in here too, but it's so different. It's so different. And it's so condensed and compact and tightly united. And you know, what's really amazing, man, because I, uh, I'm taking here the, the lead on the conversation, because one of the reasons why I made this podcast is because I wanted to project Russia outwards and I'm using you as a vehicle to do that. One of the things that shocked me the most of Russia is that, you know, if you stand... I once made a flight from Moscow to Omsk when I was working with a with a big artist here. I made one flight from Moscow to Omsk. And that flight is like flying from Moscow to London and, and past London and land 200 kilometers after London in the, in the middle of the ocean, okay? So imagine from Moscow to there, there's just, just full of Russian cities, right? And then I once, and then I took another flight from there to Vladivostok, which was, it would be like taking a flight from that place in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and flying to New York. So all of that space is Russian cities. And so you have to imagine that's Russian trains, Russian highways, I mean, all co organized by the same state. And what I want to say here is how homogeneous it all, it all feels. It's like you almost don't feel a change in the accent. It's like you kind of, we're always obviously in the same country. And so so that happens the same with the culture and the, and the part of spirituality here, which, I mean, there's a lot of anti-religious feeling here, of course, and that's okay. But in my case, this helped me to kind of ground me and gave me uh, a better center. That, that, that would be a topic of a whole another episode of this podcast with, because I'm actually looking for a priest or something to have a conversation as well, because what's happening here is really profound. But well, going out of religion and... Fucking, fucking, focusing us back into the purpose of this. Um, tell me a bit about your story, because that's really, I find it really fascinating. Like, I think that you're a person who is self-made, and uh, that's always good to share with people. How did this happen? Um, I wish I could say that I was self-made, but I'm standing <laughs> on the shoulder of giants, right? Um, yes. But I know what you mean because I'm always talking about being self-taught, you know, and, you know, and, you know, get a book, uh, you know, just read something, ask someone, um, et cetera. So uh, one of the things 
my story goes back 40 years ago because I, I <laughs> I'm 40 now. Yes. Um, I was um, I was born in Venezuela. Um, my grandfather was Greek. Um, Greek from my mom's side. Greek. Yeah, I didn't know that. Huh, yeah. That's great. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, and I w- uh, and I was born there, and I live, uh, you know, in Maracaibo, which is a very, uh, very uh, hot city or hot place. Um, um, my my grandfather, uh, he loved it there. I don't know why he felt very like, and he's like, what? Maracuchos and Greek has nothing to do. Um, but um, but they do. And at the same time, uh, my father was Portuguese. And so I was raised in this, you know, um, kind of weird thing because my father was Portuguese, but he was like super Venezuelan. Mm-hmm. And, um, and my Greek family was also like super Venezuelan. But at the same time, you're in a bubble. Even you don't realize that until later in life. So um, I guess that kind of uh, put me, I was kind of a shy guy, a shy child. Um, and I was, I don't know, I was like very quiet. I, I just didn't want to. You know, also my my Greek family was super loud. Uh-huh. Like know? Greeks tend to be. Exactly. And I was like, uh, I don't like this. So I, I kind of really didn't fit into that scene, into that culture. Um, and, and you know, um, in Venezuela, it's the same. So, like, you know, very loud, very festive. And, and, was and I tried... Yeah, and I was trying to, I don't know, maybe as a shy guy and everything, I just was like looking for my own things. I was always reading or things like that. Um, you know, I used to, to grab my, my, from my grandfather's uh, library uh, bookshelf, uh, you know, dinosaurs, omni stuff, um, whatever, like whatever magazine, whatever, you know, got into my hand, I was going to read it. Um, and and at some point, I just realized that uh, this was a very good way to learn stuff um, because at some point I I was given a book about you know kind of chemical experiments that you can do at your home, uh-huh, and you have like like this kind of candle that you put the candle and then you put a, a candle with with water in a plate and you turn it up, you you light it. And then you put a glass on top of it, and then the glass fills up with all the with all the water because of the oxygen. You know? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Right. Uh, so I was like, like I didn't need anyone to make this stuff. I just read it, and I did it. And I don't know. I just started being very interested in that kind of stuff. Like I can basically learn stuff by reading, or you know. And then the I internet just, came, and that if, if amplified I may, everything. If I may, may make a micro yeah. pause here, I, I I was thinking, what would be the equivalent of your grandfather's library nowadays? Nowadays, I mean, the, your browser history, in the sense that you see, this was an intimate moment between you and your grandfather's knowledge that didn't have a mediation between you and your grandfather. 
but nowadays we kind of don't have physical libraries, so I'm just wondering. Well, anyways, it, it's not even a question. It's just I'm saying interesting. Maybe we we gotta start piling book the books there so our kids can explore our intellect without having to talk to us, right? Because they may be uh, intimidated or something. Anyways, sorry, uh, just well, a super segue. No, but, but you you have the internet, right? So well, you can put your. <laughs> that's like all grandfathers. Yes, all grandfathers' libraries in one, right? Exactly. But I mean, like, basically, you can put um, everything you want. Like, I know what you mean. You're, you're, you're talking about our children, right? Exactly. Like, you know, what, what would be the equivalent for them? Um, and this is something that I've been thinking about. I'm wondering because uh, my daughter is about to, to enter that age uh, where she just goes and reads whatever is there. Uh, that is not from her bookshelf. Um, and and I was just talking about that like three days ago, and I was like, "Well, I'm going to start just buying the thing that I already know that it could be cool for her, um, and just put it there and yes. see what happens." Exactly. You know, in two or three years, because she's nine now, and maybe you know. So re taking you back to where you were, you were in this situation where you find yeah. that you could tell yourself your own. Yeah. Yeah, so basically, um, and then, you know, the internet came and that was like, boom, <laughs> like, yes. Um, it, it was very interesting. Um, so I, I used to live in Maracaibo. Um, I used to, um, I have this, and, and I forget about this stuff and I just start remembering at some point. Um, but back in the days, I, I used to go by bicycle uh, in the city, in Maracaibo. And that was like, I mean, I don't know. I, I, any of my friends from there, they never bike across the city, you know, but I use it as a medium of transport. And this is weird in Venezuela. Yeah. Uh, at least for my, um, you know, for, uh, for the kind of, people and family I had that you are supposed to be in kind of a bubble where, you know, be careful and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't have that. I just grabbed my bike, um, you know, go from my grandfather's home to my place uh, or to a friend or just to square or whatever. And this was super weird, but I didn't realize it. I, I, I'm just realizing that like, I don't know, three or four years ago. And I'm like, well, that's, that's different. Like, I don't know anyone that has done it uh, back in the day. Um, so, yeah. So, well, basically, I always believe in that. And, and, you know, whenever I saw that there was some sort of independence to be made, I wanted to take it. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, like, you know, especially when you are young, when you're a teenager, that you are sort of trying to be controlled. Um, you want your own things, and you know. So I don't know. There's some sort of chip in my head that tells me you can learn. If you want it, to do it, you can do it, and you don't need anyone. I mean, you need knowledge. You need sure. information, uh, but you also need, you know, uh, to observe. But so there is, there is like um, it's a chemistry between what you want to do. And really wanting to do it, and the books and the information. I was reading the other day 
I'm reading the Leonardo da Vinci biography. I, I know nothing about da Vinci. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was like, well, this is an interesting guy. You know, this is a well-written book. I'm going to start reading. I just got reading it yesterday. And the book is based on notes of all the notes that da Vinci left. So he left around 7,000 uh, notes, okay? And you know, um, paper was very expensive at the moment. So he took every inch of the paper and put like weird things together. And, and the author of the book, um, he says that it was so amazing, not only seeing like how he uh, draws stuff, but also, that he was always making to-do lists and he has a lot of to-do lists being with um, asking someone how to make X. How do you measure the diameter of the sun um, and things like that. So he was well connected, right? Right. Um, and he wanted to learn things to apply to his art um, uh, but he needed that information. And, and even though uh, Gutenberg already, you know, printed the Bible, um, there wasn't... Of course. Not, there was a lot of information. This, this, this is the Renaissance, okay? Yes. So there's like, you know, everything is booming. Um, but he wanted to go, because he has this maximum of going directly to the source. Right? Yeah. So he was always trying to get to the source of the information. And, and we, with the internet, we can just go to the source all the time uh, with whoever we want. And that, that was like a ridiculous uh, inspiration for me to make things happen. You know, I, I want to uh, bring two things to this part of the conversation. I recently finished reading The Divine Comedy and also a wonderful course. I extremely recommend it to anybody interested on Yale from Yale University. It's a course about the Divine Covenant. It's it's for free uh, on YouTube, but it's just gonna open your eyes about how well connected, way much more connected was the 14th century than what we imagined. I mean, it was uh, the there are references in the Divine Comedy to to English poetry. I mean, I was never expecting these books to be moving around Europe in that epoch. I was totally. Um, uh, ignorant about that and I was really shocked and by the way I mean if anybody has the chance to and hasn't read the Divine Comedy it's a masterpiece it's incredible uh, and uh, the other thing I wanted to I'm, I'm moving from this little uh, renaissance slash uh, middle sorry well actually I just made a very brutal uh, historical uh, you know mishmash because I mean I, I went way back I mean I'm talking about the Middle Ages right you're talking a little bit more further but I think antiquity is way different than what we think, and we don't tend to, to communicate so much with antiquity so well. Um, and this leads me to ask you a question. I, I was once uh, standing in front of the tomb of Galileo Galilei with my dad, and, uh, and I asked him, do you think that there are mines as big as that one nowadays? And he, he looked at me quickly and said, absolutely not. And I, I smiled in the way you smile when you don't agree with somebody, but but you just don't want to say anything because you respect the person. So what do you think about that when you read this biography? Uh, <laughs> it's a hard well, one. <laughs> I think 
is one of the things that globalism has brought to us is um, a uniform uh, blanket for all of us, right? So we live in this ecosystem where you hear a lot of eco of, you know, of the same mind all the time. And, you know, this, this doesn't align with my values. And it's very easy to just be in your mobile. It's very easy. Yes. Like you don't need, like you're, if you don't want to be exposed to something, uh, it's very easy to just not be there. Um, but it, back in the days, you know, uh, we don't need to go a lot further. Um, back in the past, um, we needed to follow the norms. You know, we needed to just, you know, mix uh, with different type of people, etc. And I think that um, because right now our mind is being driven by our own mind, right? And when you enter some sort of obsession or um, theme in what you want to do, it's just you just go there and, and focus, 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 follow this guy and keep going. Um, but when you see minds like, like Da Vinci, like he was interested in so many areas. And he's like, we cannot be that. Yeah. Uh, we are taught to be specialized. We are being taught to just know about one thing, you know, that's just one. Like even in business, you cannot have, you know, uh, uh, multiple business. You are like, what you're going to do is search. What you're going to do is social media. There's no, I don't know. Uh, there's no like, you know, I'm a, I'm an artisan and I want to do yes. like, paint and literature, and I also like physics or things like that. There's no like, we don't have that. So it's not that I agree with that. Uh, and this is this also has allowed us to, um, you know. Uh, to learn uh, a lot about one thing, yes. and this is this is super important. Um, but this, I think, is is we are kind of an, in a prison, some somewhat, because we we really need to, you know, focus on one thing, make our life work, and then um, not fuck it up and not say the wrong thing uh like now that everything is super amplified it's so crazy man we can always like you know if if i don't know what the story of galileo um but uh, when he said that the earth wasn't flat um you know it's a very hard statement like super it was super right? non-pc back then right <laughs> But but probably that that was like a slow process. Like right now, look, there's people saying that the earth is flat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and they can live in their own tribe, but they are not going to 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 communicate. And you know, and from one side, we are going to really ridicule them and say like you're just saying nonsense, right? Or and. And on the other hand, they will always be in their bubble and not try to find another way to look at it because they they became a tribe and with very tribal sentiment. Um, they won't try to challenge you in a way that is really interesting. 
It's very interesting that, I mean, with the glo word globalism, one expects exactly what the word says. Some sort of boundless open space, but it has produced this uh, homogeneous uh, space. But it's interesting, in this homogeneous space, then there are these small clusters that were with echo chambers where people stay inside. Do you feel that the internet, well, this is an obvious uh, question. I just want to hear how do you how do you piece this in your own mind? Uh, do you mean do you remember that ancient time of the internet where the internet was like vectors flowing in every direction? Uh, how would you describe this process to your daughter, for example, when she grows you know up? What? And it's like the internet used to be this, and the internet is now that. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you do you think that? Well, I think mm -hmm. it's in essence the same thing. I don't think it's very, I mean, of course, it's not that professional. It, it was more like an artisan work in the past. Um, you know, uh, one of the first things that I self-taught myself uh, was to uh, write HTML syntax, right? Yes. And it was like uh, my family didn't have, uh, like I have a computer, right? But my family didn't have money to buy me a CD-ROM. Hmm. Right, and with a CD-ROM, I could basically have a CD, put it there, install a um, software called FrontPage, and with that software, uh, start creating websites in a simpler manner. Um, but I didn't have any of that, so I started looking at the source of the codes of the websites, and I just started learning how to make it. Um, and that was one of the first things that I did all my own, and I'm proud of that, because that led me to my first um, job in a startup. Um, but it was basically me learning, just seeing the code, learning how to write it and do it. Um, and back in the days, uh, it was almost, almost the same, like you have the same cluster. Um, the reality is that... Um, the mind, it, it, uh, internet is like the extension of your mind. It's not something that is going to, uh, it's, it keeps being intrinsic. It's all the time, it's like you're going to direct your attention to what you want, right? Yeah. Um, unless someone hack it. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, um, it's the same. Like, uh, it's the same as always. Like, it's just the extension of your mind, right? And you just need to go to explore. Um, for example, now, I mean, I, I started drawing like maybe three months ago. Started yeah. like drawing. I never, I never, never done it ever in my life, like seriously. And I just starting to learn a little bit. And, and it's super cool because I'm just learning the fundamentals of yeah. drawing. But when you see the, the teachers, they are all saying the same. They are just teaching you the fundamentals, one with different angles than others, but it's basically the same. So I feel like I advanced my drawing career, uh, you know, like a year in three months. Uh, I mean, if, if I put it like in comparison to going to a place to learn to draw. Yes, because I have the information in my place. I can just go there and start learning. And and I don't know. That's that's what makes it 
interesting. What do you think that, um, that stops people from taking that step? I mean, it's it's not like a, I'm asking you to draw the Bible of how to self-motivate yourself, but imagine that you're sitting with a friend and and it's like, man, I always I'm telling you my own personal case. Yeah, well, ah, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, no, it's not. Oh, jeez. Okay. No, there it is. There it is. That's great. This is a nice, uh, super awesome. And I never do any like this. And I'm like doing this and I'm like super excited. I was going to, I was. I, I haven't forgotten what the question was. I want to make a really quick sentence here before I go to that question. I, I will talk a lot about Carl Jung forever because Carl Jung changed my mind and my life uh, for good. And I, and, I, and, I, and I believe something that I obtained from him. You don't choose your interests, they choose you. And and uh, and most likely this is your future self pulling you towards it, but that's another story. I just wanted to say that. Now I go back. Imagine that you're talking with me and we're having a beer, and I'm gonna tell you a fact. I always wanted to learn jujitsu, and I'm going to learn jujitsu. Like it's it's gonna happen, but I never had the mindset to get me out of my system and go and do it. You know, is there something that you can tell to somebody to help them to break that ice? Perhaps it's cliche, but. I don't know. Well, I think, like, uh, I think motivation is intrinsic, right? Like, it just comes from within. It just doesn't come from outside. Um, <clears throat> but I just say, like, go for it. Like, whenever you feel like there's something out there, just don't think what what people say yes. don't, don't but especially because uh, thinking about what people say the reality is it's just a procrastination um button it's just like oh i don't want like i want to do it but uh, no it's like a procrastination thing because at the end it doesn't really matter okay most people... What do you mean you know, it doesn't really matter? Like, it doesn't really matter that you do it or not, or...? It doesn't really matter that what other people think. Ah, yeah, exactly. But it's difficult, right? Like, this is something... Because it's ingrained in our brain. Yes. It's part of our DNA. It's just like, you don't break the tribe. You don't, you don't do that. Yes. But it's a very different place now, and... I don't know if you if you ever read um, a blog called Wait But Why. No. Oh, you have to see. I will. Uh -huh. I will. Um, there's one post um, that is called like um, we. It, I, I don't remember the title, but it's something in that goes like we are always carrying this mammoth with us. All right, and the mammoth is with us always. All the time. Yes. And it's basically about your, you know, uh, this thing that is in our DNA that doesn't serve any purpose right now. But we just have it. And we need to, you know, be aware of it all the yes. time. You know. And try to break. It really, it really took me. I, I'm coming out of this now. Only now. I don't know if you have noticed that all of a sudden I appeared online again after I was disappeared. I disappeared for for so many years and sure. and you know it hit me it hit me and actually i i appeared so much that i decided to start recording me talking with friends i mean it's like it, it, it the, the the ice was broken and and what made me break this ice was remembering uh, posting some commentary online and 
and thinking, I'm going to bother my friends. I mean, my, my the people who follow me are going to be bothered by this content. I mean, by this amount of content that I'm putting. I'm putting out too much content at the same time, so I'm going to bother them. And 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 when I was, you know, hitting the click button to cancel, I, I, I realized how absurd it was to, to think like that. I mean, there is an ignore button, right? I mean, so people, if they are bothered by it, they can ignore me. And but, but I guess what's behind that feeling is not to want to be hit the ignore button. But then for this, you just have to carry on and put your weight on the table and say, hey, man, like, it's either this or silence. And, uh, man, I might as well rather rather express myself than than to bother somebody offline, especially online. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's very funny. I mean, and I consider myself not a, not a lazy mind, uh, but I was... This is so heavy on all of us. This this kind of force of what will the others think that I was myself consumed by it until a few weeks ago. And I think that's one of the effects of the... I mean, the quarantine is going to... I think it's a polar It's a polar thing. I mean, in general, when uh, things are happening in your life, the outcome most likely is going to be catastrophic or beautiful. And it kind it just depends on, on how you, where you're standing. And that depends on every single decision that you made before that moment. And the, the quarantine is either catastrophic or beautiful. Uh, and what has happened is is is, is, is worth... Um, I mean, this is the epoch, the event of our generation. This is our second world war kind of thing. No, no, never in the history of humanity we have been through something like this. And the outcome, in my case... I mean, for me personally, it was one of the best months of my life. I mean, that's how it has been in, in, in my microcosmos, you know. Uh, and it produced this this is a constant meditation flow, you know, when the whole world stopped. And we, firstly, I felt, you know, you know, when a car stops, you keep, you keep uh, your body keeps moving forwards, you know, if a car stops very fast. And I felt like the whole world stopped, but my body kept moving forwards and... And I kind of could look back into myself from that projection that <laughs> was generated, and I could uh, meditate about this kind of things, and and uh, it it drove me to open myself up and to again and to just stop stop this fear of of what will the others say. But it's absolutely innate in our minds and in our bodies. And if somebody wants to learn more about this, and I recommend you this, I'm right now reading a book that I think it's foundational and it's a really powerful work from a writer called Jonathan Haidt. And uh, the word, the book is called, um, give me a second, I just it just escaped my mind because I'm stupid. So I'm just going to open the browser here. It's so amazing, man. I just like in the emotion of this, uh meeting you again after years um uh the righteous mind it's called mm, i think Wait. i heard about it man this this book yeah the the called the book is called the righteous mind how good intentions and bad ideas are setting up a generation for failure i oh, know that sorry uh excuse me the righteous mind why good people are divided by politics and religion Man, this book is really powerful, and it it touches it touches in a great deal the biological foundation of why we have this feeling of being afraid of. And that's not the center of the book. This is a moral psychologist, and he's trying to piece, yeah. piece together what's the source of morality. And he, you know, he man, it's so amazing the argument. He he he, you know, this is very interesting what I'm about to say, and it's connected. If you have a monkey who lives in captivity. And you throw him a, 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 a plastic snake, the monkey will recognize it as a snake, even, even though it has never seen a snake, ever. 
It would recognize it as a snake and it would be afraid of it because we have circuitry in our brains to detect this kind of things. So here roots morality in this circuitry. And so there is a circuitry inside of us who wants us to be able to form part of a group. And we just can't escape this. And that's why we are stopped. What's amazing is that this stops our individual development. I mean, like, why, did I, why don't I start learning jiu-jitsu? Well, because maybe I'm afraid of what people will say when I go there and I look like a dumb ass making my first movements. Why didn't you learn to draw before? Something like that. And I guess that yeah. we answer the question in the end that in the recognition of the fact that you are afraid of being seen and judged, you find yourself uh, stopped by your own mind in order to produce progress. Yeah. And and it's also like we are talking about different levels. But uh, one of the things I wanted to comment is that I don't know how the next generation is going to be, um, but you know we were born in between two yes. eras. Yes. And we we have the one that went before, and now we have this one. And probably when we see our kids a little bit upset about YouTube and, you know, wanting to, I want to be a YouTuber like that for, you know, I will say a big percentage of the kids, they want to be YouTubers. They, their heroes are people that are all day in the computer recording stuff yes. online. Yes. All right. And, and we don't know what's going to be, but that's progress, probably because we as adults and coming from the other generation, we're going to say, but you cannot be doing that all day, every day, you know? And that's what's going to be the breakthrough. They are going to say, why not? Yes. You know, this is what I do and this is what I like to do. So fuck you. And probably that's what's going to happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like we were more in this moment between the two things. And that I think it it uh, is harder for us than than it's going to be for the new generation. But the the other thing is that um, I'm talking about the biolo bi biologic thing. Um, when our minds want to be entertained, right? Uh, we don't want boredom. Um, and but we also have the the path of least resistance. So we have these two biologic things yes. um, that that are are not a good uh, mix in the internet era because we we want to be entertained and we have access to you know unlimited entertainment all the time, uh, but we don't have these. I mean, we we need to work on this uh, proactively. If we don't do it, our lazy mind will just go. Um, to consume information. Yes. And that's what it's going to, to do forever. Um, but this comes from our biologic part where it says that you need to, you know, did you read Sapiens? No, man. Many people have told me to read it. Yeah, I right. will. I will. Yeah. So, so basically, they say what, what you know, make us progress, uh, what they gossip in the tribe. <laughs> so the gossip was very important, was super important because that way you knew who was a good person or a bad person who did bad things, you know, who to be careful yes. with, who to invite to your place, all this stuff, right? Who is not going to kill you in the elevator. Exactly. Right? Um, 
And, you know, what is internet when, you know, when we, Instagram is just gossip, yes. right? Um, I mean, um, that's probably why I don't lean a lot into Instagram, but um, but that's, that's what people want. And this is like for the lazy mind and not only the lazy, because it's not only about being lazy. It's about structure and a lot of things. I, I discuss this stuff a lot because... Uh, whenever I hear internet is just a tool, um, I'm like, I, <laughs> I, I hate that idea. Because, of course. Um, everyone says it, and I think it's, it needs structure. It, 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 it just, look, it's like heroin, okay? So if you really need to have, um, to, to watch what you do there. You need to measure your time, what you're doing. Yes. Um, because you can enter in a really shallow place if you just you know, don't use it with your head. You know, going back to Carl Jung, um, it's really important. Firstly, I mean, I think that the, the, work of, the work of Carl Jung is more relevant than ever right now. And it's a really important message that I send out to everybody who might be interested in, that it's really worth paying attention to. Because I think... Uh, it is obviously impossible for me to lay out what he's trying to say um, in this conversation, but I certainly understood that the best way to describe my 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 per, my my personality is like a a sledge that it's pulled by dogs. You know, like these Arctic sledges that are pulled by a lot of dogs, and within those dogs there are so many different. They are very different in nature. And your ego personality is the one who is controlling those dogs. And we tend to see ourselves as a unity, but we really aren't. We are a, sub -collect a collection of sub-personalities. And uh, the internet becomes takes control over us when, not because the internet takes control over us, it's because we fail to control that dog, that particular dog in that train, you know, that starts pulling the sledge towards where you don't want to go. And... I don't know how to sort that out because I will not be procrastinating and I do procrastinate, but I do know that seeing that helped me a lot. And you know what helped me a lot? To establish a direct conversation with that subpersonality like I would be talking to you. And you know what's most important from Jungian theory is to not punish that personality because nobody acts well when you punish them. You need to have a negotiation and a conversation. It's like, okay, for example, I'm going to get out of the example of the internet. I realized that I was obsessed at pleasing everybody to a point that it was detrimental to me. And I was obsessed in making everybody happy. And so initially, before I discovered Jung, I, I was like crushing that part of myself. And then your reaction is something like violence towards the other and it's negative. But what started happening is that, for example, I, I had I was once using my studio and a, and a person who is not in good terms with me needed to use the studio. And I felt the need of standing up and telling to this person, even though we're not in good terms, to tell to this person, you can use the studio now. And I was just like, but, but why am I doing that? This contradicts my goals and this person and I are not in good terms. However, I reached to the conclusion that the, the most important question there was to ask to this part of my personality. What do you want? And I did it exactly like that. I asked who is part of my personality. Okay, nice, Leo. What do you want? I want my adrenaline, adrenaline fix 
of feeling better because I helped the other or feeling better because the other loves me more. Better to put it like that. And so I, I made a negotiation and the negotiation was, okay, Golden Retriever, Leo, whatever we want to call. I, I actually, I gave them names. I mean, I started writing this in a, in, a, in a journal. I started making a journal. I started giving names to these parts. You know, I don't remember how I named that. I think I called him Tom for Tom Cruise, just joking. Like, I mean, because I see as a, you know, actor who wants to put this nice face. So, so I, I said, okay, Tom, look, let me finish this and then I'll please you. And since I started doing this, at least I'm in some sort of control of the process. And I think that it's important just to realize that that part of you who wants to just go and dwell on Twitter for hours and not focus on anything productive uh, needs to be negotiated with. And I think that you are great at that. And that's one of the main reasons why I brought you here, because ever since we met each other, I saw you. I saw your I mean, I think I met you in the moment when when you were kind of like like separating from yourself and being able to see yourself from outside. Is, is that a good way to put it? It was a, it was another, it, it, it was a new personality coming up, um, basically, yeah. And, 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 and I think you have developed a certain set of mind techniques that keep you off the internet when you have to. Does this require any special effort from you or is something that comes natural? Because I envy it. <laughs> no, you know, um, I think I'm, I'm probably really bad at this because I'm so obsessed. I'm so obsessed with this that this probably because I'm not good. So I've read a ton about this. I fear this. I think, I think it's, it's difficult. I think it's advice. I think uh, we all need to be aware of it. I think we need to take care of our kids with this. I mean, I think in the future, like just, uh, you know, like having this mobile phone, uh, it, it's like a cigarette, okay? Yes. Like, I really see it like that. Like, it's just because, you know, it's kind of, a, and I worry because, like, most of the solutions I encounter or what people say we should be doing, the experts, um, is basically saying, you need to take a break from distraction. So that's what they tell you. Um, but you really, like what you need is to take a break from production. <laughs> it's not the other way around. It's not and that you need to, to break. <laughs> right. No, no, no. And it's super complex. Yeah, and there's yeah. like, um, there are so many methods. Look, this is, well, I can tell you later this. Um, but before I go there, I wanted to tell you, because, you know, Carl Jung, um, he, let's, we were talking about this, and we were talking about, we don't think in the, in the Renaissance or whatever, uh, it was that different. It wasn't that different. Like, you know, yeah. the mind has always been the same. You wanted to be entertained. Um, you never wanted to be bored. Um, you wanted, you know, company, uh, you wanted all this stuff, right? So Carl Jung, he started uh, because he, he was also um, trying to beat Freud, right? Um, he, he was trying to, um, you know, uh, be a contrarian of his ideas um, and say, like, this is not the fixed thing, this is different, this is... And he started building a tower, 
bagging he holds yes, out yes, in yes, Switzerland. Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, why was that? Because he just wanted to be not disturbed when he was there. Like he went there and just worked, right? <laughs> Without any distraction. And this is what we need. This is what we need to do. We need to create this ritual um, where we enter work. And work is just work. And then, you know, if you want to consume, but you, it's like the personality thing. You cannot say, no, I'm not going to, you know, whatever. Um, but it's like, like the most important for me, I'm reading this book. Uh, he said the story of Cardion. It's called Deep Work. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he said, basically, you have to train your mind. Well, because the, 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 uh, the danger side of this stuff is that you train your mind to be distracted. And the more you train it to be distracted, okay, so true. the more difficult it is to focus. But if you train more into focus, it's going to be really easy to focus. Okay? Yes. Um, so it's basically, and I'm back to that point where we are, um, you know, taking a break from distraction. Is the other way around. We need to take a break from production, from focusing. That's what we should be doing. And and one of the things they say is like the guy, the author says, is like, look, um, just put hours to your use of this stuff, right? And if and and um, cumple uh, yeah. um, you said follow it, follow it, just follow it. Yeah, and follow and have follow a schedule your, your of internet use and follow it, something like that. It's not the scale, but say, like, okay, from um, two to four, I'm just going to work and I'm not going to see the phone. And train your mind not to do it, right? You need to put your phone there, whatever, turn off the internet, um, make your own tower, like it's a digital tower in this case. But uh, the more you train your brain to escape or be bored, like, you know, um, we are always, we are very used to going to to the loo, uh, with a magazine or paper, and now it's with the, but you know, you can go without it. Yes, my wife you is know? gonna love you for this, because <laughs> <laughs> I always sit down like for forty minutes or something, just like, and then going to the toilet ends up being the last thing that you do. I mean, it's just a way to escape. Right. So look, um, the the thing that worked for me, um, are I have a. I have a time to end the internet thing, right? Every night at 8 p.m., unless I have something different, it's just out, the phone is over. So I have from 8 to around 9 or something to do other things in, in weekdays. Mm-hmm. Um, and during the weekend with kids, it's also very good to take basically a... I say I say that is DZ uh, day, which is um, Domingos desconectados or uh-huh. unplugged Sundays. Sunday. Unplugged Sunday. Yeah, so we're basically disconnect everything uh, until four or five p.m. So Great. we have all the day to do to do other things. So we do these two things, and because it's a tribal thing where we plan to do stuff. Because the thing is, you cannot do it without planning for to do something. Because it's not going to work. Yeah. So you need to do, okay, like, look, on Sunday, I'm going to wake up, I'll make breakfast, 
rather than you know then play whatever it's uh uno whatever you want to play uh go out for for a run in the park whatever it doesn't really matter you just need to plan it a little bit it doesn't need to be like that but you know something yeah. so these are the things that i do um and they mostly work they work mostly all the time do you do you physically disconnect <laughs> the internet or or do you have the mental power to just leave it aside um, I wish I could just be connected, but now we have Netflix, right? Uh, and right, Netflix and whatever. And, and my, my, my wife loves uh, seeing series and movies and stuff. Yes. Um, I'm more of a book guy. Yes. Uh, and I will disconnect it, but I can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also, uh, I also think that, I mean. But, uh, but look, what I do is I leave the phone out of my reach. Yeah. I, I'm about to buy myself a because I mean I openly come out of the closet and say that I I just I mean that dog of my sledge you know it's it's at the moment at least I'm aware of its existence but at the moment is it takes control over me and I for example I have a big interview on this podcast I'm very excited coming on Thursday uh, I will interview a Scottish scientist who who is one of the proponents of this theory that I'm very enamored of, of the Younger Dryas cosmic Im impact hypothesis. And so, uh, uh, and I have to read his book and, and I just, it's so hard for me just to, you know, especially when I have a, like the phone is my book and also the internet at the same time, because I don't have a Kindle or a device. I wish I would, but I just don't have the, the real power just to, to not move around. And I, and, and, you know, I, I see it with the eyes of, uh, of, a, of, a, I mean, because that personality is an addict. It's really an addict. It behaves like an addict. I mean, the other personality and, yeah. and, 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 and I'm, so I've been just thinking, okay, well, listen, uh, I think I need to, I need to treat this like a doctor. I mean, and just, for example, buy myself an alarm clock and leave the phone outside of the room have a device where I could read that it's offline or just has the past capacity to read because if not, it just takes over my life. Like I, 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 I'm hoping to develop this, this, uh, this, uh, focus, but I'm honest in the sense that I, that I'm not, I'm not. And I really think here openly saying to the whole internet, I really think it affects my whole life. I re I really think it's one of the reasons why I have been less productive and powerful. And it's not the fault of the internet. That's where people <laughs> fall into a major mistake. And uh, perhaps you couldn't say that it's not the fault of anybody. It's just a problem that has to be solved, in my case. I mean... Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in, in knowing what's going to happen once this is really a knowledge, as a vice, you know, as something dangerous, as yeah. something that you need to control. I'm really interested in, in knowing what's going to happen because, look... This is not just me talking. I read a lot about this, a lot. Like, um, one of the scary things is that, for example, teenagers, um, when you get, um, you know, like, um, teenager girls, um, the suicide rate in the U.S. Yes. at least. I don't know if there are studies out there. Well, yeah, there are other places, but um, is higher since the iPhone came. Came of course, on. of course. And and the reason, you know what we were talking about, uh, gossip and sapiens, mm -hmm. is that um, you can destroy 
basically you can destroy the reputation of any person with a picture, yes. with Photoshop, yes. you know, with a false thing. And, you know, uh, in the teenage uh, age, uh, that your tribe is very important. And if someone just destroys your, your reputation um, and you're in, not in a good place mentally, yes. um, that could be really tough, really, really tough. And, you know, we all been there. We all been teenagers. We all know. Um, for boys, it's different than from girls um, because boys are more physical. Yeah. Uh, whereas uh, girls, it's not that they are not physical, but um, by by biochemistry, they are more into these mental and social things. Um, and it's, it's yet... It's dangerous, man. Like it's, it's, you need to take control. You know, you know what's very funny. I have found myself um, when my parents come to visit me. This is transgenerational. I mean, my parents behave in a certain way as the fifteen-year-old child who who has access to the internet and just gets consumed by it. When when they come to Moscow to visit me, <laughs> I share internet for them in the car. For example, I'm like, okay, guys, I'm gonna switch on the internet. Uh, and then I have find myself driving around Moscow, you know, and, and telling them like, well, look, and here on your left. And when I see they're like, and I, I, <laughs> I have jokingly like, okay, guys, internet time is over. It's off, you know, because, because our, our parents too. I mean, nobody really knows how to handle this beast. And, and, uh, and look uh, like, uh, a great force behind the conquering of America was the establishment of plantations of sugar. Uh, and, and here I'm making a super parallelism in the sense that that we go very far, like k killing millions far to satisfy our addictions, you know. And uh, and we really just don't know how this is going to to play out. Um, I I was uh, with the previous guest I had with Ilya Masaev. It's uh, it's a Moscow music producer. We were saying that well, if we survive the Second World War, I'm pretty sure we will survive Twitter. But now I don't know. I oscillate. I oscillate in between those two things. Uh, we really take for granted that the future is going to be better than now. And uh, the what just happened in front of our eyes is uh, proof that we just don't know. It's still open. It's still open for the game. If I would have told you last year that this is going to have that we were going to find ourselves with, man, I read the statistics yesterday, 136 million jobs destroyed in India. 36 million jobs destroyed, destroyed in the USA. Uh, who knows what is going to be the deep impact of this in the future. What I know is that we have to be very, like, you know, the universe is really, really not, uh, um, uh, what's the word, um, condescendent, uh, not, that's not what I want to say. The universe is really not a, not a merciful place. If you make a mistake, you're, you're out. And I think that the cure of this, as usual, is, well, I mean, I think that's the cure of everybody. Is of everything is truth. I mean, it's to, to try to speak the truth, to try or at least try not to lie. Like, like I openly say here, hey man, like I have a problem, and that puts me a step closer to to not being consumed by it. That doesn't mean that I'm gonna win, but if I don't tell it to you, and I think that's something I always encourage people. It's like find a good friend and just tell them the worst things about yourself, because when you say them, when you put them out of your mouth, they just become alive. They stop being dead inside of you. And perhaps it's something that will help us. But 
I don't know. In terms of the raising of my children, for example, like we we, it's just impossible to stop. But we we kind of to my son Sidious, we decided that he cannot see screens for the first year of his life, and so he practically has never interacted with a phone. Uh, yeah. Look. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. If you can make it farther from one year, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because because I mean, do it for as long as you can. I think that uh, again, once it's on, it's yeah again it's it's like people people shield their own responsibility on, on the technology you know it's like oh it's a technology it's a technology but but no it's your responsibility like i think that a great deal why people why people are so obsessed about this from young age is because parents use this as a way just to distract the kids you know and they just like can focus on something else and then it's like oh how wonderful it is that they, they're just they're sucking a cartoon and they're not paying attention to the world but who's failing there the internet no, it's you, and uh, and the, again, it all comes down to personal responsibility. What are we gonna do about it? Well, we just have to recognize the problem and move on and, and try to be better at this. Because yeah. I'm unsure. I'm unsure if it's necessarily gonna be doomsday, but it's worth thinking about it. Yeah, we need to be prepared. We don't know what's going to happen. Okay. I, I did you ever read like um, there's like a joke. Like you know, if another if if we start another war, don't worry, just throw them a lot of iPhones and that's it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and they will just stay, stay stay frozen there in front of the device. Exactly. So basically, um, you know, when you read this is difficult to explain, but McLuhan, mm -hmm. he yes. always like he was a visionary, and he said like, look. Um, the medium is a message. Mm -hmm. What what he really meant, what he really meant, is that we become the medium. All right. Yeah. The medium is an extension of our senses. Okay. And by being, you know, uh, it basically numbs our senses uh, when when this is so big, right? So we take all this information. It's just like, it's just like, you. we don't have enough brain to do this. To, to, to you know? process this. We just don't have enough. You know, we, we can only take like um, five to seven items in our memory, um, you know, and that's it. Yeah. So whenever we are, we are talking here about this stuff and see how we are focused and we are connecting ideas, right? Yeah. Beautiful, because we are not distracted. If we were distracted, we will end, you know, who knows where. In some Wikipedia so article. Just, <laughs> if, if I was like here, like, but also like seeing the phone and blah, 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 we wouldn't be having this, this amazing conversation. So basically, uh, this is interesting, uh, what McLuhan says. And, and I don't think I really understand it, you know, what he really same, wants to put out here. there. But, but it's basically... Um, Saying like, look, if we become this, if we are we are inside the bubble now and we don't see it, that's it. You know, we are having this conversation. We are having another podcast when there are like, I don't know how many million podcasts there are now. Yeah. You know, and it's just like we are all doing it. Yes. Right. And it's not something. It's just to satisfy our needs and you know, and and probably. Um, create an audience and you know just have something fun that we like doing 
um, and we do it because it's, it's easy. Maybe if it wasn't ready, we wouldn't be doing it because you're in Moscow and who is going to listen to that? I, I want to say something, but you know what's wonderful about these things? And I, I, things have meta meaning packed into them that we don't know when we, when we arrive to them. We don't even know that that's why we are doing it or we don't even know that that's what it's going to produce for us. And uh, the only way to find out is to go and do it. That's one thing I want to say, and, and I will exp expand that in a second. And the second thing, a, a good advice I, I heard, I, I'm very enamored of Jordan Peterson's ideas, and I, I have enjoyed a lot going through his material. And and the, one of the things I obtained from him is that it's very useful to do whatever everybody's doing. It, it, it's actually, people really think that, I remember I once heard this quote, I really don't remember from where it's like, uh, in a world where everybody's trying to be unique, the most revolutionary thing to do is to try to be like everybody else. Uh, and so I personally, and I'm going to tie this, I'm, I'm saying two loose ideas. And the third idea I have, and I'm going to wrap it all up in a nice little arepa, in a nice little Venezuelan uh, potty here for us. Flat, flat bread. Flat bread potty, you know, these three ideas. L let's recap. Things have meta meaning that we don't know until we don't do them. Secondly, everybody's trying to be unique, so perhaps a good idea right now is to be like everybody else. Uh, and third, and third is is that maybe because we know that there is something wrong with the way the internet is interacting with us, and we are interacting with the internet. Maybe it's really useful to make plans, like exercises. For example, sit down and talk with my friend Flavio without anything else for an hour without being able to be distracted. So we call it a podcast. And then when you, then, then this connects with the other three points, because what happened is that I started a podcast, not because of the other two points that I said later, that I wanted to be like everybody else, and not because I, I wanted to create a plan. So it, those things were revealed to me later, but it, it mattered that I crafted the plan because then it produced me the situation in which A, I'm learning a lot because I'm finally here focusing one thing for two hours. Finally, I haven't done this for seven years. I really made to make a podcast because I'm open about everything. I'm a musician and I need to push my name outwards in order to expand my work. And that's what I, that was my meant, my rationale, you know, hey, if I make a podcast, look, everybody's making a podcast. So if I make a podcast, then it's going to drive my name further. And I never imagined what I was going to discover once I started and what I discovered. And then I realized that the reason why I'm doing this now is because it finally gives me the opportunity to learn without being shoot into a million directions. And it also gives me a chance to communicate with some people that, I love. And then the byproduct of that, it's like what comes out of the machine that you would throw away to the, which is in a conversation, you usually it, it gets dissipated into the air and it goes away. Then you can maybe profit out of that. But those, those other three factors, I mean, and I, and I want to say to our, the people listening, you know, that if we know that there's a problem, you know, what thing we could do is just to create a plan to stop it. And I, I always saw you again, like that's one of the main reasons why I brought you here. I always saw you like a person who could make those plans, you know, like, and, and maybe you need to just give it a name. You know, this is the offline Sunday. And those things, though trivial they sound, they are not. They would really help you to 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 get away from the from the automatic train. Yeah. What is interesting is that some of the ideas I came up with, um, you know, the more I read, the more I see that a lot of people have came 
to the same thing. Of course, of course, of course. For example, I call it like, I, we started doing this not very long ago, maybe a year ago, like mm -hmm. this Sunday, this night. Um, but then like I was reading this book, Deep Work, I told you about uh, yeah. last weekend. And, and I read that they were doing the uh, Shabbat uh, offline or something like that. Yes. You know, just like a, like a this you uh, Saturday <laughs> thing, um, festivity. Um, so basically, uh, they came to the same conclusion. It has another name and da da da. But it's, a, it's very interesting how at the end we we need to go further because maybe this is not the solution. If this is the first thing we encounter, it's just part of the thing, you know. It's the first response. Um, but I think like collectively the the world um, is just because we've been through you know, Facebook algorithm, Instagram algorithm, Twitter algorithm, blah, blah, blah. And they are toning it down already because they know they're not going to survive as businesses yes. like that because they are going to be um, legislated. I don't know if that's the yeah, word, but they're, they're like, going... Like publishers. They're going to be legislated like publishers. Yeah, exactly. So they, they already knew that, you know, if we keep this business up until that moment there, we are not going to yeah. survive. So we need to start and all the algorithms start changing and they are more about now doing what they should be doing, like embracing conversation and creating engagement between people, yeah. not just pushing another ad, you know. Of course, the ad is there, uh, but and look, the ad is there and there's a solution for that. Like YouTube, I don't have any ad. I pay the premium thing yes. and I just don't know how 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 much time I'm I'm saving yeah because I did that Man, I need to and I'm value I'm valuing my attention a lot like you're putting you know your how you uh, your mouth where your, the money where, where your mouth, mouth is okay. yes. yes 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 exactly so so like if you're valuing your attention which is the most important thing we have because it's limited. And that's the thing that I don't think most people know. Um, then, you know, it's going to give you more time. And if you start focusing on it and you're paying for it, you just like, you know, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to focus on my attention. You're giving value to your attention. It's priceless. Yeah. Exactly. And and the other thing, but look, not everything is bad, right? And and True. for me, the all the time I have now, and, and I'm creating all this, a new read of that. I'm drawing. To draw is amazing because you need to really, like, there's nothing else, right? Mm -hmm. There are some activities that when you do it, everything else disappears. If you climb, right? If you're a climber, everything disappears. Yes. If you are fighting another guy, everything is going to yeah, disappear. If you play so, an instrument, yeah. All these, all these activities that, you know, they are just going to make everything fade away. Um, but the amazing thing is that you can actually learn to do all the things online. But that's part of the problem. So, you know, a lot of people is looking like meditation apps, right? <laughs> but what happens? What happens when you take your phone at <sighs> 7 a.m. in the morning because you want to meditate? You have all these crap notifications. And even if you don't see it, they're going to be here. Absolutely. You're back burning. Absolutely. Right? Uh, like, a, like a weight on your shoulder. So I say, like, look, 
meditate, but don't use a fucking app. Yeah. yeah. Forget about the app, you know? Um, but, you know, these meditation apps yes. are worth like billions, yes, billions yes. of dollars. And it's like industry, like a whole industry to disconnect. It's an app that, not, yes. that doesn't do anything, right? You better pay, like you better pay some, it's just convenient, right? Like you have it in your phone. They are, they are very good, you know, they can make you go where you want to go. Um, but they have this downside of things. Like, okay, look, still I open it and it's a notification from my boss or whatever. And that's going to bug you. It's very fascinating how, I mean, there is, a, I love this. Um, it doesn't matter how much things, let me start by the end of the idea. The end of the idea is that we are biological entities and in the end, what gives us more points is biological things, not virtual things, still. I mean, you can do whatever you gain, all the Instagram points you want and you're a teenager, but on when you get laid with the girl, that's still the, the, you know, the top price. And it doesn't matter if you're the mega billionaire CEO, Elon Musk, when you get laid with Grimes and have a baby, you know, that's where you find meaning, something like that. And so it seems our, our, our minds and our bodies have a disconnect in a little bit, you know, in which um, we need to, we're trying to find that middle ground between, between what are, well, I don't even know to separate it like that. I don't think it's wise. I think in general is mind and body are a unity. I think, we, yeah. I think it's just, we are monkeys. Yeah, yeah. And we forget about it. And we, and this is the nature of the human being. We are monkeys, creative monkeys. Yes. Because that basically, that basically our, our main difference is just being creative, right? Um, we have language we can communicate. Yeah, well, but the dogs do have that too. They can communicate with each other by smell, by other things, but they do it. Um, so we we are basically monkeys, and we think we can get out of this, but really we really we can't. can't. Yeah, I find because that we are monkeys. I find that extremely beautiful, and and I mean uh, when you're like in an intimate situation with one's wife or something like that's where really things come together. They they the the online lives uh, enhance us for sure. But I, I personally don't have a vision of uh, some sort of robotic future in which we are like disassociated from this. I mean, and I and I really don't think that we're just going to load our consciousness into a machine or something. Uh, I just don't have. I don't think that, you know, there are there are. When you try to dress a dog into some sort of character, uh, there is a point in which the dog just kind of shakes the the clothes and just wants to continue being a dog <laughs> let me tell you a story yeah like i'm just i just i'm just making this up now uh you know my dog um we have some uh she's like super allergic and we give her uh we need to give her medication and the medication is we wrap it under a pate right uh -huh. that is another hypoallergenic stuff uh -huh. um so you know whenever like she knows that she um, she knows that if she throws the plate, because the plate is kind of a standing on something, and she knows we are coming, like what's going on, mm. you know? And she knows if she barks, 
she knows she gets our attention. And I'm wondering, like, is, is that her addiction? You know, her <laughs> addiction her is push this button, throw this plate, bark to this guy, and I will get food, you know? <laughs> and my food is, yeah, food, right? But it's, in our case, our food is attention, our food is social, our food is attention, our food is being entertained. This is our food. And we know we push this button and then we get that. Yes. And that yes. we are happy. Yes. Uh, but but it, 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 it doesn't end, you know. Um, and she, like our dog, she does this all day, every day. But we don't give a price all the time. But she does it anyway. Yes. Yeah, because... Um, sorry, did you finish that idea? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, I have noticed that the thing that makes us happy is not the attainment of the goal. It's the feeling that we're walking towards it. And that's a different thing. For a great example is you graduate from university, which is the attainment of the goal, or your dog getting the meal, you know, it's the attainment of the goal. And then in case you graduate of university and the day after you're seeking for a job in Starbucks, you know, but what, was, what kept you motivating all those years, you think that it's the title, but what really keeps you motivated is to wake up and feel that you're moving towards somewhere. And your dog most likely uh, obtains more by, by the action of asking you the treat than by the treat in itself. Uh, we, yeah. have, we have, uh, because I really have to let you go in 15 minutes, according to my, my clock. Um, can you, I mean, this is a super... <laughs> turn of events yeah, but, yeah. but i i wanted to um, because the, in this podcast i mean people are going to be back a lot so i'm, I'm going to have you here in the future so we're going to continue philosophizing which is my favorite part uh, i uh, when i met you you were doing search engine or optimization for a company in london am i correct yeah yeah and uh, i would like to hear two stories kind of um the story of the website that you did in venezuela uh, which will give us, because I also, with this podcast, I want to shed light in Russia and in Venezuela. And I want people to know that Venezuela used to be a country where you could do things. And then uh, what kind of are you up to now and what are you doing now and how are you approaching to it? So let's start by the Venezuelan part. Like what, what were you doing? You did something sure. really cool in Venezuela yeah. that was really interesting. Yeah, remember, um, I, 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 I self-taught myself HTML, right? Just yes. connecting to the beginning exactly. of, the, of the conversation. And, and I entered this startup, which was called Locatea.com. It's called like whatever, whatever.com. Yeah. Yeah. And Locatea.com, um, they did have a huge budget, you know, like uh, I think they were giving like around $20 million, you know, all in all, in all back in 1999, um, 98, 99. And, you know, crazy story, like you... And it was super cool. It was just being in that startup, um, being just in a place where uh, all creative minds of everywhere were there from Caracas. And uh, there were people from Archive and Barquisimeto and other places. Mm -hmm. And we were all crammed in a small, you know, office that was growing uh, organically. So, you know, like, okay, we are packed here. It was, you know what I remember the smell? Uh -huh. You know, imagine all these pseudo teenagers there all day in the computer, you know, for hours. Just like, imagine that, right? And all cramped yeah. in a place you know, with 
air conditioning and stuff. Um, everyone smoking, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I remember so much the smell. Well, whatever. <laughs> um, and and this, 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 this office grew, like, you know, then we have another floor and another floor. And then eventually we went to Parque Cristal, which is like a big modern yes. building. And we did a huge office with, I don't know, like 100 uh, employees or something like that. Uh, we were working or we have offices in Miami, um, Barcelona, Madrid, Rio de Janeiro, whatever, in many places. Um, but then, um, you know, the dot-com crisis came, but I didn't get to that point. I was like, I started doing like my own thing. And of course, you start like, uh, you know, applying what you are learning in that place. Yes. And that's what I started doing. Someone noticed and it was like, you're copying us and you're doing another thing, you know, and I was like, kind of a menace and blah, blah, blah. And then I went off and I went to, off to do my own thing. And then uh, Locasea basically crashes and it had no more money, et cetera. And I took one of their ideas was some sort of a chat. Um, it wasn't a chat. It was like a Facebook kind of thing. It was a social network. So... They basically spin off, like their chat was very popular, and they spin it off in kind of a social network. And we took that idea and created a new thing called Pareonone.com. Mm -hmm. And that Pareonone.com was more like a match, ma matchmaking place, right? Like, so you can find your own um, half, so uh, you're another half. Pre-Tinder, Tinder kind of thing, or not. Or it was not like Tinder, right? It was, it was not like no, no, it was like more more social uh -huh. thing. Um, and then we, we started doing that. And, you know, it was like the startup path was amazing. was like, uh, you know, we have like 10 users today. And then the next week we have like 100. And then another two weeks we have 1,000. And then up to 60,000 that we, we managed to have. And we didn't know how to monetize this because, you know, uh, there wasn't money for advertising uh, because of the dot-com crisis. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, all the big brands like, you know, that used to put money there weren't putting money there anymore because the internet was something very different and you know what, no one was selling things. It was kind of a, um, it was some sort of a pyramid schema in the sense that, um, so these guys uh, in the startup used to work, they were buying advertising in MTV Latin America, right? And, you know, a lot of money to bring people to the site to sell them banners, uh, to sell banners to other advertisers. <laughs> but no one was selling anything. No one, we didn't have e-commerce, you know? <laughs> I mean, we did. We have like Amazon at that moment, and we have like um, some other like Mercado Libre. Maybe was already there or not? Maybe, yeah, yeah. So, but there was very little money at that moment for so that. It wasn't like something big, and we had a lot of people doing branding, but no one was selling anything, you know. And and online advertising was expensive, you know. Mm -hmm. It was expensive, a lot more than what it is now at least for this kind of project. And so that was one thing. Um, and then, sorry, I, I diverged. That's but, cool. That's cool. Um, we didn't have the money to make advertising in Pareonone. So we basically started putting together some parties, right? 
some very wild parties. Yes, that was legendary, and, man. Yeah, and it was amazing. It was an amazing time. Um, and we did make some money, but not really like big money. But this was interesting. And and I always say, like, if we did this business in the U.S., uh, I, I already... You would, be so, you, you would be now talking with Joe Rogan, not with me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Kind of. Um, I don't know. It, it was interesting. It was uh, really cool. So, you know, uh, for a time I did that, then I did, like, a lot of freelance websites. All of this before. in Venezuela, yeah? I, All of this in Venezuela, yeah? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And, and then eventually... Um, I decided to go away. To, okay, I wanna I wanna to... pause it there. When you go away, people who are not Venezuelan, I want you to understand that there. I mean, yesterday there is a friend on common that we have, Flavio and I. That his name is Amilcar, which was another of these entrepreneurs of the early internet in Venezuela, and he was saying yesterday to me on a private message, we had a country and it was ours. <laughs> it was ours to take. Uh, there was a moment when this country was not this million percent inflation, no electricity, no water. And, uh, and, and I made this parenthesis here because I want you guys who are listening to this, who are not Venezuelan, to be able to pull together a thread, which is that all of us, like migrating birds, all of us in a point smelled that this was going to end like this. And we just took off immediately. And that's, that takes me to that question. Why did you leave Venezuela? This was what year? 2006, something like that. Because, I mean, you had some successful enterprises and stuff. Uh, you were on a path, but... 2007. Uh-huh. 2007. Uh, and I was making so much money that I really doubted that I should go <laughs> um, at that moment because there was a lot of cash uh, from the government, basically, uh, going towards private enterprises and whatever. Well. And, you know, I was freelancing and I was like, well, you know, you want this and, you know, I'm going to short X. Oh, yeah, of course. Thank you. And it was like crazy. Um, and I actually doubted. Uh, but I left because first, when I took the decision, uh, it was because I was almost killed. Ah. Um, I, uh, you know, I was with a friend. Uh, her car was. Uh, stolen in front of my house and uh, we were basically point uh, uh, pointed with a gun yes and when they were leaving with the they they basically you know asked for the keys of the car they wanted the car and and you know asked for all the stuff my wallet and blah 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 and I was in shock I was in totally shock and I was just I didn't move and I didn't hear anything. I didn't see anything. I was just in total blindness. And the guy was asking me um, to leave, uh, to give him my wallet or something. I don't remember. I know. I was like watching him. This is biology again, uh, <laughs> fucking me over. I was watching every movement. I, I remember the detail of the hand of the guy where he was moving his hand. I, I was like super laser focused, right? But in shock. And the guy was talking to me, like, don't look at me, don't look at me, but I wasn't hearing. I wasn't hearing that. Yes. Um, my friend, she just like gave me, you know, I see un codazo, like, yeah, like a boom. punch. React. I'm like, and I, and I reacted and I just 
put my side down. And when the guys were going, to, they turn on the car and they say, now turn back, you know, like, give oh, me your... Um, you're back. Just, just turn back to me. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this, this is, is it. it. And I just turn back and I say like, and it's like, when I finally hear the car going, it was like coming back to life again. You know, and that's the moment I decided, like, what the fuck I'm doing here? I have my fucking passport. I don't have to be living this. And you know, basically, I I, I was living a very good life. Um, I did have like all my friends, you know, yeah. our bubble. But that thing, uh, this is not the first time I was, you know, pointed with a gun, but probably the most dangerous one. Um, and and I was like, well, you know, uh, I'm gone. And I decided to go and I left the next year. Basically, I graduated and left. I graduated, I graduated very late because I, I was you were working. doing a startup. Yeah. I was doing startup stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then I left. I, I did a kind of a small tour. I went to New York, came to Lisbon, mm -hmm. to Madrid, and to London, and decided to stay in London. Uh, well, it wasn't London, but uh, it was Brighton, which is a southern city uh, near London. Yeah. Well, near. Yeah. Like an hour in the bullet train. Uh, bullet train. <laughs> and and then and then I decided to to go. To England for a while to you know um, you know basically improve my English and that was it and I don't know like this is uh, this is when I met you because I didn't meet you before. yeah I always heard about you and and uh, it was in London where I met so many interesting cats that that had left because all of us left in a point so I don't know it sure. seems like it seems like I mean to respect your times, it seems like we're going to talk about your projects of the present in another edition of the podcast. Are you are you really need to be on time? No, right we now? can do we can do ten we can do ten minutes. Perfect, perfect. So so then you somehow you focused on the um, on the travel world, right? And uh, now yeah. well we find ourselves in this right. situation. This is another this is another funny story because I went to London like I went like through several interviews for TripAdvisor.com. Okay, I didn't have any connection to the travel or tourism or whatever. I just didn't. Um, but as usual, I, I was like experimenting. I did have a blog and I was like posting things about Brighton. And I had a lot of people asking me stuff about Brighton and how how can you live there and you know how much money you need and blah blah blah. And and at the same time, I went to an interview in TripAdvisor London. And I was cut off at the end in the final interview uh -huh. because they say I didn't have moderation experience or whatever. And I'm like, fuck you, I'm going to just work in this stuff, you know, and <laughs> just going to try to make it. And then um, I left London and I came to Lisbon. And imagine Lisbon, uh, difficult to explain, but um, Lisbon is such an amazing city. It's so unique and so particular, and and I just arrived at the beginning of the. This is another crisis, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, yes. um, beginning of the crisis, um, 
and this one starts becoming a tourism boom, right? Airbnb make it happen. So basically, half of the city center was, you know, <laughs> fucked up, basically. And, you know, a lot of money in Europe and nowhere to put it. So a lot of people income into to Lisbon and, you know, new Airbnb, new stuff. And I started writing a blog about Lisbon and about, I was also learning because this is the interesting part. And, and I recommend anyone that, you know, if you're going to do a podcast or whatever, don't do it for fame, don't do it yes. for money, don't do it for anything, do it to learn, yes. okay? I started doing the Lisbon website just to learn about the city. I was just writing, you know, boring historical facts about the city and, and combined with news like a new restaurant opened here. And it got traction very fast because there wasn't a lot of competition for the city at that moment. It was in English or in Portuguese? Or in, in Spanish? Spanish. Uh-huh, in Spanish. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so... We have the crisis, we have the Spaniards, they wanted to travel, but they couldn't go to London anymore or to Paris anymore because they didn't have enough money. But they discovered that this one was very uh, cheap and you will be treated like a king yes. for half of or a quarter of what it will cost in London, you know? And so this one started this thing and my website took traction very fast. Like, I think I did my first, you know, dollar. We did maybe a month after I started writing. It was like six zero. I still have it in the in my museum, in my personal <laughs> museum. And, and it was amazing. And from that, I started doing like a system a method to do the travel guides. And I started creating more travel guides and learning Learning, always learning. Uh, so I took like, you know, I took the plunge from my freelancer experience, my writing skills, my, you know, and being in Europe, um, having established um, digital um, based economy, uh, which was just yeah, starting. So I got all of that and put it together and started this travel guide. And then I started learning other stuff. And, you know, up to now, I basically became a manager. And that's why, why I'm excited about the quarantine, mm-hmm. because I'm not a manager anymore. I mean, travel was the first thing that was hit by this stuff. Yes. So in February, I already knew that this was, to be, this was going to be a bastard, bastard year, because I could see the numbers. And, you know, because... You know that people in February is booking for you right. know June, right. July, August, and the number didn't match whatever from last year. Hmm. And I knew, I just knew. So from then on, I just started creating another plan. Another what? Another platform? Like plan. 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 Another Do you plan. have it in action? This plan already? Um, it's coming together. It's okay. also that's the interesting part. Like, uh, I, I, I think I, I posted it yesterday or something like, um, doing a, a new enterprise, a new venture, is a, is a puzzle we do, um, yes. we do half, right? One half, you do it yourself. The other half, you discover with the audience. Yes. So, 
that's basically it. So my plan is basically, I like this. I like what we're talking about. I like teaching. I think I have enough knowledge to teach other people things. Mm-hmm. I might not be a super expert in some areas, but I think I can teach a, a, a lot of people to make money online. Um, whereas you're an artist or, you know, a writer um, or just someone with, with, a, with an idea. And, you know, I know with content, um, with, with content, a purpose, you can make it happen. Yeah. And, and this, at this, this moment, it's like, you know, what we were talking, we have one food in one place and one food in another on the, the internet and the pre-internet era. So right now, it's like everyone up until now, we had, we were like that. Up until now, we are now with two to fit in the internet, right? Because the offline world became contaminated. Yeah, no, basically there's no other way to make a business grow right now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What people don't understand about crises is, is that crises are a grand redistribution of money. I mean, it, the money, the money, well, in great, in many cases, the wealth is destroyed, uh, but I mean, like you said, when with the 2008 financial crisis, this meant a uh, that that the the balance of money favored some place like Lisbon. So this is a moment in which uh, uh, all the industries that are affected by this the, that that money transfers that are usually going to them are going to be deposited somewhere else. And uh, it we need to stop being um, I I don't know other word. <laughs> I mean no, I don't want to say uh, we need to stop being weak minded and think like oh poor me. We just need to really think fast and put ourselves ahead because, again, there is something called Darwinism that will just cut your head if you're not well standing. And this is an over Darwinist moment. I mean, uh, whoever is not ready for Look, it. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing with this stuff is that I've seen a lot of people complaining, a lot of people with, you know, state daddy issues. Um, and look, there's like, you need to make a plan. One plan is better than no plan. If yes. you're going to be complaining, you know, if you're just going to be whining or crying, you're going to be fucked up. Yes. If it's your opportunity to take the life in your hands, take responsibility for your life, for your future, for your family, and make something happen. It doesn't matter what, but just make a plan and start. This is what you need. This is where most people get caught. Like you just need to start and create, start creating something today, and you will see where it leads you. And also, and also, don't get attached to things, really, because uh, by the I, I, by the way, we I used I mean my company we have three physical studios, and uh, I came to my partners and I said we are going to close two of them right now before we even open, and so we did. We closed two of the studios, and my partners initially were like, "Man, but I love that place," and I said, "You know what I used to love, Caracas." And you know what I used to love? London. And I'm in Moscow now. So we cannot get attached with things just because we like them. It doesn't mean that the market likes them. And it's most likely the opposite. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's better not take things, this kind of stuff personally. No. You need to make a plan and move forward. Yeah, and, and that's what this time is calling for. And uh, we just got to do that. All right, man. That sounds amazing. That sounds like a really great place to leave it there. 
Um, it's been a wonderful conversation. So I, I have enjoyed it a lot. Um, we have to carry on, man. I'm really inspired by you, and I really cannot wait to see what's that new project. Can you say something about it, or or it's still like? Look, no, because I'm discovering. Ah. But um, basically, basically, I'm just uh, restarting with something. You know, I've been writing on and off for this all yeah. all these years. I used to have like Osa Hipposibles. Mm-hmm. And I, we even did like kind of a podcasting, like personal stuff, talking about Bitcoin. Remember? Yes. Um, so I'm kind of putting that together, and I want to start and do something with that again. Um, but I don't know what. I don't know what. I don't know how. I don't know if free, if premium, if pay. I still don't know. I'm just in the path to discover it. My plan is to actually. Uh, launch one product before the summer ends, um, uh, like a digital product. Yeah, this is like a long form thing, uh, and another very short in the next couple of weeks. I'm, I'm not sure yet. I just put it out there, see what happens, and carry on. From but I mean, are you going to launch a new site or something like that, or it's already out? No, this is my personal website. I will keep just um, nurturing my personal uniqueness <laughs> yeah man i think that that's important um, in this day and age like i mean uh, it's we are some sort of back to those to the to the medieval um you know you used to go you used to go to giovanni trapattoni shoes you didn't were going to a brand and uh i think that putting yeah. your own name behind things gives them you know your face and the solidity that they need so so I think that that's a really great idea. Man, uh, before I leave, did, did I ever tell you I have this um, Primo Tercero? Uh-huh, uh, third cousin? Primo tercero. Third cousin or something. I don't know if it's... Uh, well, um, it, I, I was talking about, you know, I have this friend and his grandfather and his Italian and blah, blah, blah. And he told me, ah, yeah, I flew with him. He was a very good pilot. You know? Ah. Uh, Marco I'm, I'm talking about. Uh, I'm talking about your grandfather. Yeah, he ah, to with about my grandfather. Wow. But this is an old person, or maybe it's my uncle who he's thinking about. How old is this person? I don't know. Uh, well, he's eighty. Yeah, it could be my grandpa. Yeah. Eighty, I think. Eighty, eighty-one. You know, back to back to to entrepreneurship and problems. Imagine my grandpa migrated from from uh, Italy to Venezuela after Italy after Europe was ravaged and he arrived to Venezuela I mean without nothing and uh, he went uh, to Avenza to the national airline to one of the national airlines to ask for a job as a pilot and they gave him a job as a painter to paint the hangars uh, and, and and he told me this story which was like I needed to find a job that that will make me think a lot so I decided to drive cars from Caracas to the outside of the city, so I can think a lot. And eventually, he built a big empire. So, this is this is a, again what I connecting with the idea of, in my case, making a podcast or something. You really don't know what the activity that you're focusing on is going to give you. And if you start by setting up those rules, that what do you think and the layout, you're just going to fail most likely. Yeah, yeah. You, you need, need to think. You you cannot the instant gratification doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, and also and also 
perfect understanding. It, it doesn't exist. <laughs> you you only understand things as time progresses and things as as things move forward. And uh, and whoever is out there, uh, perhaps uh, listening to this and thinking uh, about what to do next with this uh, COVID nineteen uh, situation and and the new market that has been placed in front of our eyes. Certainly, the selfish goal is not the one that is going to reward you. It's the goal that is going to make you grow more. And if people find that useful, they will tune in, I think. Yeah, of course. I think you don't need all the answers. You yeah, just need exactly. one plan. Exactly. You need to start it as soon as you can. And then, you know, start to juggle all the balls and see where it leads you. You wrote one of the most fantastic tweets I have ever seen in the history of Twitter. It, it wrote it last week. It was a thread which said, uh, I open a thread on Twitter on tell you how to be an entrepreneur. And then I was like, all right, here we go. That's going to be like some 20 tweets. Uh, and then you see downstairs. <laughs> Start now. The open rate of that tweet is super huge. It's super big. Uh, but it's ridiculous that no one retweeted or not one liked it. I don't know if people feel, you know, betrayed or something, but ah. but that's the truth. That's what I wanted to make, you know. That's the point I wanted to make. You just need to start. Should we feel offended when people don't retweet things? I mean, not offended. Sorry. Should we feel that no. the punch, the punch was not delivered? No, the punch. I was seeing your your Twitter guide, and it seems like analyzing analyzing uh, the reach is more powerful than, of course, than the engagement. Yeah, because in the end, people yeah. saw it, right? Yeah. Yeah, and also, like, when you focus on this kind of stuff, you need to focus on engagement. Yeah. And not on the other metrics, like how many likes, how many retweets. You need to focus on the audience because you are building a, an, an audience. You are not building, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, a circus. <laughs> yeah. You're just not there to entertain anyone, everyone. Exactly. You are going to thank some people, not all of them. Exactly, man. Awesome. Well, awesome, man. We got to close this now. Thank you very much. This has been amazing. Uh, let's carry on and continue doing awesome things. Uh, I will put you all your thank links you, in the description. So everybody go and please check it out. And uh, let's carry on towards the future, making better things. Thank you, man. Cheers, Take care, cheers. man. It's been amazing. Bye. -bye.